Hello everybody and welcome back to the Hoosey Podcast with me Phil and me Paul. And on this episode, we're delving back into the world of Big Finish and an audio story from 2001 starring Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred, and it is dust breeding. Um, so, Paul, are you, are you fully recovered from the coronation? Are you are you all coronated out? I'm, yeah, I'm decoronated, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I think we had that. I'm well capable of waiting another 70 years. I yes, think. exactly. I'm over it now. Thank you very much. Um, I'm glad it's all uh, off the out of the... Um, well, I say it's out of the papers. It's not really, is it? it? It's still there. But thank God it's off the telly. I'm being replaced by my other pet, Hate Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had, to, I had to wrap it up quickly to get Eurovision Exactly, in there, exactly. Oh, dear. So let's 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 have some Doctor Who instead, then, to wash the, wash the taste of the coronation out of our mouth. Um, but first things first, let's have the news. Now, um, as, as a surprise to absolutely nobody, uh, Murray Gold is returning as, as the composer uh, for Doctor Who so with, with the uh, the specials and moving on to Shooty Gatwa's first series. Um, uh, were you surprised, Paul? Um, not well. I, 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 it was all down to whether he wanted to do it or not, wasn't it? I'd have thought. I suspect the offer went straight into him. I suppose so. It does seem to be a bit of a bit of the uh, the old gangs back together with this, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, are you, uh, the thing is, though, I mean, are you pleased that he's back? But I think more importantly, um, I suppose still the most. If you talk to me about music in the obviously Doctor Who since it came back, it's his stuff still that's the the bits that you I'd probably recognise more than. Uh, what we've had recently, yeah, it's like the sort of like the yardstick, really, isn't it? For yeah, Doctor Who scores from two thousand and five onwards. Um, I don't think we. Um, I spoke about this on the recently on the, on the Doctor Who podcast, and I, I think I said, as much as I liked um, Segan Akinola's scores, I found he's were a bit ambient. If you see what yeah. I mean. And, and Murray Gold's were. I know people complained about Murray Gold, um, but that, you know, with the, you know, his, his music drowned out the the dialogue. That's got nothing to do with him. That's the sound mix. Um, yeah. But his music was always big and bombastic, and it, it really sort of set the scene. It was pounding, exciting. Um, and I think he evolved as a composer as well. When you think, but from between Eccleston series and Capaldi's last. How he's sort of using different like musical influences and different instruments, and um, I, I just think he, he really grew as, as, a, as a composer. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what he does next. Whether he's going to do something similar, or he's going to bring yeah. something new to the table again. Yeah, who knows? But uh, no, I, I'm 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 all for it personally. I really am all for yeah. it. I, I, I'm hoping it's um, you know it's. Um, it's, it's going to be weird. Is it going to be the same as it was 2005? I, I, I don't know. I, I think it might be... I think it's going to have a completely different feel this time. I think RTD's yeah. sort of been let off the leash a little bit now, hasn't he? I think so. I think, yeah, there's probably not the pressure that was there. Yeah. But they obviously are trying to recapture the spirit. It certainly seems that way, doesn't it? At the moment, you know, even with like you know Julie Gardner and Phil Collinson coming back as producers as well, it, it's all, yeah, it is like the old gang back together again. Yeah. Whether they whether they can recapture that magic, um, well, that remains to be seen, doesn't it? 
Mm. Let's be said. We haven't got long to wait, though. We haven't got long to wait. No. Um, now, talking of the fifteenth uh, Doctor, as I was a minute ago. Now we've had new images released of of, um, of the Doctor, and including today, actually, um, as as we recalled on Tuesday, the tenth of May. Now, what we had recently was uh, Shooty Gatwin and Millie Gibson in a 1960s-style garb, um, which was sort of like Shooty Gat was in a, a very bright blue pinstripe suit with a very sort of that double-breasted 60s, 1960s cut. A um, lot of mods, yeah. mods type of suit, isn't it, really? Um, now, today we've, we've seen released some images that look a bit sort of um, 17th century sort of Regency-style outfits, um, with, with another actor that's been cast in Doctor, which we'll come on to um, next, actually. Uh, but by all accounts, Paul, there's going to be the Doctor's going to have new a new outfit each story, because we, we've this is about the third or fourth different costume we've seen now, which makes sense. Because we've we've had you know you get this stage where you've got the Doctor's always wearing the same thing, mm. and yet the companions tended to. I mean, not not massively, but they did tend to change costumes in some places where they went to historical yeah. stories. Mm. With the Doctor not bothering, and it was a bit. <laughs> it seemed a bit odd when that happened in the in previous series. Well, it's always been like that, hasn't it? It's always yeah. I mean, since yeah. day oh, yeah. dot, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's yeah, but it, but it's. It's it's something that sort of carried through to the new series from mm. the old, and yes, yeah, was slightly odd. Has always been slightly odd in that sense that yeah, the Doctor has a costume, and it's almost you know <laughs> you feel almost one eye to the the cosplayers that they can have something to dress up as. Oh, I know what. Well, well, yeah, well, the cosplayers are certainly going to get their teeth into this, aren't they? There's going to yeah. be so many diff- so many costumes to choose from. Um, but it's interesting what you, you know, what we were saying a minute ago about the, the Doctor never changed his costume. I can only think of maybe one example where where the Doctor did, and that was the Talons of Wen Chiang, where basically the Doctor was cosplaying as, as Sherlock Holmes, wasn't Holmes. he? Really? Yeah. But at least it matched the period. But you, you I suppose you could argue that the Doctor's costume could have matched that period anyway, because it was sort of slightly sort of Edwardian to a certain degree, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the the, uh, the fourth Doctor's one, but um, no, I, I think it's um, I think it's going to be interesting. And thinking actually. back, actually thinking back, the first Doctor in the French Revolution. Yes, that's right. Of course, yes, Raid of Terror. Yes, he did. But they're the only two that actually spring to to mind. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any any others actually. Off the top of my head. No, I mean, I mean, I mean the, only, the only time I think the Doctor changed. Costume for part of the story was, I think, the Fifth Doctor in Black Orchid, but that was that was changed into a fancy dress costume. Yeah, so that yeah, wasn't that, that really was, matching the period, was it? That wasn't no. so much the period. Actually, that was the only part, probably story where his his actual costume matched the period from the start. I oh, know, <laughs> or at least matched the match the sport the activity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Well, no doubt there'll be some more images released um, as as the weeks go by, um, and maybe we'll, we'll post them up on the. On the Facebook page now, um, as I alluded to a moment ago, casting there was a uh, in images released today of the of the Doctor Millie Gibson's new uh, new costume or costume for that story, 
As I said, there was another actor that's been cast in Doctor Who who's also in this uh, these photos as well, and that's Jonathan Groff, um, who is an award-winning star of stage and screen um, ball accounts. Um, and like last time we, we spoke about Jinx Monsoon, I've got absolutely no idea who he is. No. No, absolutely no. not. Um, apparently he's done a lot of musical theatre. Um, he's been in Glee. Uh, apparently he was in... Um, a. a Matrix Res- Resurrections, which I haven't seen. He was the he was the new Agent Smith. Um, in that, uh, I think he was in. I think he did a couple of cats in Frozen, as well. By all accounts, um, yeah, I've I've got no idea, yeah. absolutely no idea who, right. who, who the guy is. Um, I think Ross T Davis is quite um, excited to have him because he said this is an incredible coup and a great honour to get such a huge star striding onto our sets and strap on your space boots. This is going to be a blast um, in typical RTD fashion. Now, musical theatre, Paul. And we've got yeah. um, Jinx Monsoon. <laughs> I know why you said that as if I was going to come in as an expert. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I was hoping you going to sing. You finally actually. got round to your, to your favourite subject. <laughs> It's Paul's time to shine. <laughs> um, now, obviously, we've seen Jinx Monsoon's character's outfit, and it's got a, like a keyboard motif on on her collar. Um, yeah. Do you think this is going finally going to be the musical episode that a certain subsection of fandom has been asking for for God knows how many years now? Um, I I don't think it necessarily says that. I mean. You could have said that when John Barrowman, John Barrowman, yeah, brought in. I know. I, I, I mean, always, there's I, nothing. There's you know. Yes. Yeah. If they'd wanted to do that, they could have done that. Well, the only reason I, I say because yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that, as I said, a certain sub, subsection of fans has been asking for, and they keep going about. Well, oh, Buffy the Vampire, so I had that, that musical episode that went down really well. Doctor Who should do one. I think. Well, that was over twenty years ago. More than 20 yeah. years, well over 20 years ago um, when that episode aired. So that it's, it's been and gone, it's been done, really. And I'm not a fan of musical theatre at all. I don't see the appeal of it, really. I, I don't like musicals, full stop. So if this does happen, it's not something I'm particularly looking forward to, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, more, more the fact that actually someone else has already done it. Yeah. Is... Yeah, I don't. I don't want Doctor Who to be like other programs. No, me neither. Um, well, I, I want it to be setting its own its agenda. Own, yeah, yeah. I think I, so. I understand Big Finish has done the odd musical um, story, or had I had stories with music in it, um, which I got absolutely no. Again, I haven't. I haven't listened to those at all. Uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not overly struck on the whole musical. Episode and nothing to say it's been confirmed yet, but I I just got a feeling it's going to happen, really. Mm. And I'm not I'm not I'm not enthused. Put it that way. No, I I I I'm yeah not bothered one way or the other in terms of it. I just want Doctor Who to be as good as it can be. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't necessarily it's not something that I'm calling for to be honest. No, no. Um, I, I don't personally know any, any. I say personally know any Doctor Who fans who are. To be uh, to be fair, uh, it just seems to be a little, as I said, a little subsection that sort of like keeps banging that drum all the time yeah. for a musical episode. I thought well, it's been done, 
you know, it's, it's been done elsewhere. So, um, yeah, get over it. There you are. There we are. So, well, um, I've got nothing else to add to that, Paul. So that, that's pretty much it for the news, really, isn't it? Isn't it, yeah, really? Apart it from is, the yeah. fact we, we haven't mentioned that there was that little teaser trailer. And we had another teaser trailer, uh, which I saw last night, um, which was a, a different to, to the previous one. Um, but apparently it's all... There's, there's sort of hints and Easter eggs and stuff. Um, but apparently we're going to get a trailer. Now, as we recall, this is, as I say, Tuesday the 10th of May. This won't go out until the following Sunday. Um... By all accounts, we might get a trailer during Eurovision. Right. So apparently there's there's clues in these little teaser trailers that there's going to be um, a, a trailer being shown during Eurovision. So, uh, so the time oh, you'll, you'll out, see that anyway, won't you, as you're a keen watcher? I'm keen on Yes, I'm very keen on Eurovision. Yeah. Now, I shall... I'll, I'll, I'll wait till, like, Joe watches Eurovision. I'll say, you can tell me when that trailer's on, and I'll, then I'll watch it. <laughs> Until then, I'll be watching. I'll be doing something else. <laughs> Probably editing this together. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I might save this up for Saturday night. Um, yeah. So, um, what I just said, there could be old news. We we, we might have already seen the trailer. So, so let, let's do something. Um, um, so, Paul, that trailer was fantastic, wasn't it? Yes, that was such a surprise. It was a surprise. Yes, and during Eurovision as well. See, it was all there. All the clues were there. So. I think we covered and, yeah. the base. I mean, I'm just so pleased that Sweden won as well. <laughs> Such a shame we came last again, and and in the UK as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we covered all bases there, Paul. I think we have. I yes. think we have. I think we have. So coming up next then is our little look at dust breeding from Big Finish, and until next time, then that was the news. everyone it's big finish time and as we said at the top of the show we're going to be covering dust breeding this time and before we start uh, chatting about it let's have a little listen to a clip did you even bother to ask who i might be where i came from a backwater planet called duchamp 331 no one young ever comes here you get the long haul pilots ships are always refueling here no one stays not for long they're always quick to leave, Duchamp. This is where they send you to die. Mayday. This is third technician Jay Binks on refueling station B calling Duchamp control. Come in, control. Can you hear me? Thoughts about the sky being red like the earth. They're dead. Do you hear? Everyone dead. Killed by the dust. Those krill creatures, madam. He's unleashed them on the passengers and crew. For what? The scream by Edvard Munch. Edvard Oh. Yes. How do you do? I'm the doctor. You've been alone for a long time, haven't you? Trapped in the painting. Influencing the world around you without ever being able to interact with it. What? Time Lords! No! You aren't strong enough! I will not be trapped again! I will not submit to you! The planet is mine! I tell you! The doctor's right. The end of the world. 
Okay, so this uh, episode, or story I should say, was released in June 2001, written by Mike Tucker. Um, so as we talk, and here's the warning, there may be spoilers ahead. So you have been warned if you haven't listened to it before. So, uh, Paul, it's your turn to kick off things. So what do you think of this one? Um, well, let's start off. I don't think May there'd be spoilers. May I don't think May's a redundant I think May's a redundant word there. I think there's <laughs> gonna be spoilers. I can't see how we get round this one without. Get round it without spoilers, I oh, know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um I actually quite enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a reasonably it it felt quite quick paced and was through it before I'd realised. Um Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I like the idea and how all the it it all came together quite quickly. There wasn't sometimes with the um, big finish stories you get strands of stories that are going on at the same time, but this had that, but it didn't feel like it. It all felt very meshed together from the start. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it sort of like, you know, the whole thing in the, in the Taurus at the beginning with the Doctor's Diary. About, yeah. you know, the entry about the screen by um, Edward, um, is it Munch or Munch? I don't know how you pronounce it. Monk? Munch? I don't Monk. know. Monk. Monk. Is it Monk? Um, yeah. yeah, so it, it, it set the plot up there immediately, didn't it, really? And, yeah. and, it, and, actually, and it just went off from and there. Actually, the, in- yeah. the interesting thing about this is this sort of ties into... To Ace going around galleries in the last uh, Jodie Whittaker story. Yes, it does. Eh? There's a nice little tie in there, actually. Yeah, yeah. That she, um, yeah, did did have a knowledge of some knowledge of art. Yeah. To that, and did, did you, you know? The... Yeah. No, that, that, uh, do you know what? I'd completely forgotten about that. Now that's that's a nice little um, nice little callback to this story, actually. Um, hmm. No, I I agree with you. I I also enjoyed this. Uh, to be honest, I mean. Listeners of this podcast will know the se- the Seventh Doctor era is not my favourite era of classic Who, um, but I really, really enjoyed this. Actually, I think it was one of my sort of favourite um, McCoy stories we listened to so far. Actually, yeah, I think all the characters was was good and all had a role to play rather than just being there. Yeah, I think. Do you know what? I I think it was um, probably the most. How can I put it? The most. It's the story. Same Doctor story. The most seems to fit in with the 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 TV run. If you see what I mean. The way the way that the, the um, McCoy and, and Audrey pl- bounced off each other. Yeah. Which I think it, it felt really natural in this as well. And I also, actually, and, and Ace was never my favourite companion, but I think. Ace really works in this story for some reason. Both of them really work in this story. It, it, it just, they yeah. just seems it, it's it really worked. The pair of them just really work really well together. I know everyone always says that about um, Sylvester and and, um, and Sophie, but I, I've never really got it. But but in this one, I did. But and the fact that actually you had quite a bit of they both had quite their own bits of story to run. Mm. And it didn't feel forced. It seemed quite natural when they was apart, and the reasons why they was apart in this. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, yeah. It did. It did. You're right. It's um, yeah. It, it just felt natural. It, as you say, the, 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 it, it just sort of flowed nicely, and and you say it was over before you knew it. Because I think 
I don't know about you, but I just got into it, really. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, it did It did involve you in the story. You were trying to work out what was going on and where it was going. Yeah. Um, yeah, so naturally the fact was then to... The whole thing of playing the... Wanting to listen to the next episode rather than just, yeah, that's one out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I know, two. I know. It can be like that sometimes, can't it? You're sort of like, yeah. okay, I've got the next one. Oh, how long is this going for? But I, I really yeah. didn't... Um, I, I didn't feel that at all this time. I mean, I I did slightly wonder because I was trying to actually pace myself and actually listen to it one episode at a time, mm. a day. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that um, enhanced... <laughs> I'll have to try this again with a, with a different one. <laughs> Whereas sometimes I tend to just... This, I might sometimes listen to it or I might listen to a whole... Two, the first half of it, two episodes of it in a, yeah. in a lunch hour or something like that. But no, I did try to actually make a a point of listening to it, and this did make me want to get to the next. You know, sometimes he's like, "Oh, I've got time to listen to the next episode." He's like, "No, wait till tomorrow." So yeah, <laughs> I thought that was quite a good thing that I was actually looking forward to listening to the next part. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I I tend to listen to it in in large chunks, really. Um... And that doesn't even mean sort of get to the end of a particular episode. Just sort of if I'm doing something, I'll, I might end up listening to it all the way through um, in one sitting. But it's usually sort of like I do like, you know, one episode then maybe get halfway through the next one and stop because I'm doing something else and I'll come back to it. So it, it, I, I never seem to do it in episode by episode, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I, I just do it. I've, I've got this long to listen to this particular story. I'll get as far as I can with it and then I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up later on. So maybe that's a good way of listening to stuff. I don't know, but that's that's the way, that's just the way I've always yeah. I've always done it really. But um, but this particular story, it didn't seem to it didn't seem to matter because it, it it was it's a fairly straightforward story. There was not not a lot to get confused by. It you know yeah. if you see what I mean. It, it, it was a that's why I think it it worked it worked it would have worked well as a as a um, a TV episode yeah as well actually, but. Yeah, I, I just like I just like the, the the McCoy and Aldred in this one. I like the story, which I thought was interesting. This planet of of sort of almost like sentient dust. It was almost sort of like a, a almost like at one point we were like a zombie story. You know, some guy just it's just full of dust, animated by the dust, the dust. on the planet. Yeah. yeah, which I thought was a, an interesting thing. Um, and the and the, you know this weapon that was hiding in in the painting, the scream. Yeah, which I thought was a, it was a good way of of tying into a real world piece of art, or, or not just a piece of art, but a real world item as well. I mean, that, most people are familiar with. If you don't know anything about art, you, most people are familiar with the scream. Yeah, because it's such a well, it's, it's just such a a, a a very evocative piece of a piece of art, or a very evocative painting. It, you know, you, you once you've seen it, it stays yeah. in the mind, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think with with this one. Um, it, it really worked, and the fact that you know, it was sort of like m- 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 monk. M- is it monk? I keep saying munch. It's monk. Um, monk sort of madness was sort of like that's how you basically cured it. He put it into the painting. Yeah, which I thought was a that really was good caused, idea. Yeah, yeah. It was caused because the alien had got inside the weapon. Alien weapon had got inside him. Yeah, and then he managed to force it into the into the painting. The painting. Yeah. But I like the fact it was it was sort of crying out to other. Uh, sorry, the cat's just making an appearance. Um, no, the no, I like the fact that it was sort of 
influencing other people. Yeah. As well, actually. Um, and the whole thing of sort of like going to that particular um, that particular planet as well made, made sense, actually. Yeah. It did make sense. Um, well, you, you realise it's all been a setup right from the start. Yeah. And then and in between all this, you've got um, Mr. Sita. Yes. Uh, which, what did they say? This is the, this is the first um, appearance of the Master in Big Finish. Mr. Sita, of course, an anagram of Master. So it's all, uh, again, another little television hangover there, wasn't it? But uh, Yeah. Um, now, this is Jeffrey Beaver's version of the Master. Did you know they originally tried to get Anthony Ainley back to do this? No, I didn't. No, well, they couldn't agree terms with him, which I'm assuming to be money. <laughs> so that's why that's what I'm assuming that to be about. Yeah. Um, so they brought back Jeffrey Beavers, and that's why they explained the thing of him trying to sort of capture. Was it the warp core, which is this thing inside, um, inside the painting? It made him sort of degenerate back to the back to you know the Jeffrey Beavers crispy master again. Yeah. So that that. That's what that all that was about. So yeah, it was it was just purely because Auntie Ainley couldn't agree terms with Big Finish, ball accounts. Which in some ways is a shame, but actually I quite liked uh, Jeffrey Beaver's performance in this. Yes, I do, actually. I know he's I mean to begin with, his voice is kind of disguised because he's behind that mask, isn't he? Yeah. As Mr. He's sort of like the, the, this mysterious benefactor. Um and was he the benefactor of Madame Salvadori, which we'll, we'll, we'll come on to um in a minute, but but when he sort of the mask is off, he's like, ah, oh, that's it. And Jeffrey Beavers has got one of those voices you could just sort of, I don't know, you could just sort of listen to all the time, really. So yeah. it's very, it's very, it's sort of, um, in a strange, it's a very calming voice that he has. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, and I suspect a, a fairly different performance than we'd have got otherwise, if terms had been agreed. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know how Antiani would have played it. Yeah. Because I know. In Survival, which is the last one he did on, you know, certainly on television, um, he said that's how he always wanted to play the master, not this cackling yeah. over the top thing that that he that he was. Um, and that was that was, I think we discussed it before anyone on this podcast. You know, that that was JNT's doing. That's what he wanted. He wanted that over the top, yeah. sort of like pantomime villain, moustache twirling villain. Uh, so and Survivor certainly got to dial it down. I'd I'd like to have seen what he'd done with this. I think he I personally think he would have dialed it down actually. Yeah, I really I mean, especially especially from the point of view that you you'd have to to keep the um the, the, the his real identity hidden. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, at the start. Yeah, so no, I th- I think it really and I think he I think he is a. Uh, We've heard him before on other big finish stories that we've done, um, but I yeah. think he, I think he is. Uh, I think he's very good as the master. Yeah, actually, he really is, and it, it wasn't. Uh, you know, when he when he reveals his plan, it wasn't an over the top, and soon I will rule the universe, like, like cackling, you know, you know, like like a lunatic kind of thing. It was sort of it's it's almost underplayed to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, you you still got the sense that he was still wary in himself. In what he was trying to do, yeah, because he became unstuck the first time around. Yeah, and I think that came across that it, you know, although he was, he knew he'd effectively or felt he'd effectively beaten the doctor. Mm. He still, yeah, he was still worried actually that his his plan was actually even going to work. 
And I like I like that fact that he was unsure. And that's that's a different take for for that character. Because usually they're so sure of what they're doing. Um, yeah. You know, the, the different iteration of the master that we've had. Uh, but yeah, this yeah. time oh, it, was, yeah. it was good yeah, to it's, see it's, it's the doc- change. It's the, it's the Doctor's job in most Master series is to point out to him where he's going wrong, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. But in this Whereas one, actually no. he, he knew exactly where he could go wrong. He just hadn't factored in another character. Yeah. Reactions. So obviously the, his big thing with the Master, he's got the Krill, which this Warp Core weapon was designed to kill in the first place so he's brought these krill along to sort of draw them out now ace knows who the krill are now this is obviously alluding to another story which we haven't listened to apparently it's a reference to a story in a past doctor adventures novel storm harvest ah right okay which i haven't read <laughs> me neither uh no see this this is no. the problem with doctor if you if you haven't read this is the, 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 the route that sort of like the Mandalorian was going down on, on re- or actually all Star Wars content is on Disney Plus at the moment. If you haven't watched a certain series, you're not going to know what's going to happen in the new series to bring it out. It's, it's all linking, and, and it's, it's the same with this, really. I had no idea what the crew were, and I was assuming it was going to be um, another big Finnish story, and it was, it was anything but. So. <laughs> no. No, well, this is, this is, that, was, that was according to Wikipedia. So, I mean, ah, right. Oh, we all know that's one hundred percent fact checked, <laughs> sure. isn't it? <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So, so, I think we can safely put our houses on the fact that that's the right. <laughs> our houses on the fact that's the right form. <laughs> oh, um, so, the, so the cat keeps meowing. He's he's, he's joining in with the podcast. He's obviously got some opinions on uh, the Virgin New Adventures. Um, yeah, and obviously uh, the other returning actor to this is Caroline John uh, it's the, it's yes the first, who, I'd, who yeah. I'd seen was part of the cast and had then um, forgotten about actually by the time I got round to listening to it oh right okay okay yeah she played Madden Salvadori which was uh, yeah. a fairly sort of generic sort of foreign sort of Eastern European accent kind of I think it was meant to be Eastern European not entirely sure I think it's probably meant to be Spanish or Italian, I think, with the with the name of Salvadori, yeah. but it, it didn't sound like that to me. Um, yeah, I, I thought she was good, and then and I thought she was going to be sort of like a a villain, which she wasn't really, was she? The character, Madame Salvadori. Uh, no, she was just uh, keen on money and influence. Yes, that's it. So, but not actually in the sense of particular. Well, I don't know. I mean. I mean, she did sort of hint that once uh, she'd got what she wanted out of Mr. Seater, that he may be disposable. Yes, exactly. So whether she might actually kill him or <laughs> or, ca- or just cast him to one side once his, his yeah. uh, purpose has been served. But, um, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, no, I, I, it was, I, I didn't realise this was her first, you know, role within the Doctor Who world since, what, 1970? Yeah. Actually, and of course, being the wife of Jeffrey Beavers, but um, yeah, that, that, it was good. It was it was nice to see her. Nice to see her, but it's a shame. So it's just a pity we we didn't get to see or hear Caroline John, re, you know, re, reprise her role as uh, as Liz Shaw in the Big Finish range. Yeah, yeah, I'm. It, it would have been interesting, wouldn't it? You wonder whether eventually she would have done, had she? Well, yeah, I know that's what everyone associates her with. The third Doctor, but the way Big Finish worked, you could have had any Doctor, yeah, visit her. You know, there was nothing to prevent them doing that. Um, 
But I think they they were just sort of concerned about okay, we will have the you know seventh Doctor and Ace. We've got the fifth Doctor with you know Tegan and Turlow and Adric and and Nissa. Um, eventually, when they got Tom Baker, then they they went for you know Mary Tam, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and um, Louis Jameson. So yeah, it's um, now it's a shame. It's a shame. They, but I think now they would probably do that if Caroline John was you know was still with us. I think they would have gone down that road, and particularly with I know they have done it really, haven't they? Because they used Caroline yeah. John's daughter with Tim Trelaw's third Doctor. Yes. So uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a shame. It's a shame. But it's good to it's good to see her back. In this, actually. Now, the other character is Bev Tarrant, who has been in another Big Finish story, The Genocide Machine. Have we covered that one? I've certainly listened to it. I've, yeah, I've listened to it. I'm, I'm now trying to think, have we? I don't know. Uh, I can't even think about the story now, actually, The Genocide Machine. It's a Dalek story, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I yeah, I've, I've I don't know whether we've actually just listened. It's terrible, isn't it? That we can't remember. We, oh no, it's exactly. that we've done it. I've, I've definitely have got it, but I'm not quite sure whether or not we have actually. No, I'll have to covered it. Yet. Yeah, I have to go back over the archives now and have a listen to. Yeah. there's two old farts reminiscing here. <laughs> Yes. Or, or not reminiscing, sort of just trying to remember stuff they only did a couple of years ago, probably. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, crikey. No, I thought the rest of the cast were equally as good as well, actually. There wasn't any sort of any sort of weak links, really. No, no nothing that no. then stood out that made you think, oh, why did they have that character? I know, I know. It's, uh, do you know what one of the other things I really liked about this? It was the, the use of sound, again, in this story. It was that constant screaming, in the, yeah. which, which, which was the, those Daleks buried alive. Which I thought was a, was a, was a great thing without actually bringing the Daleks into the story. Story, no, yeah, they're just sort of buried at the bottom of the or, or the centre of this, you know, somewhere on this planet. It was, it was just them, you know, screaming for eternity, which I thought was a fantastic idea. Actually, you know, just going mad then, and again, yeah. it was all that linked to the painting again, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it and it did serve a. It wasn't just there as a. Which you actually thought it was just there at the beginning was either was going to be a throwaway line or a really key part of the story, and then it was actually well, it was a part of the story, but not in the fact that you actually ever saw them. Yeah, that's or right. Heard them. That's right. Rather. Yeah. So I, I, I think it was good to show some restraint there, actually, not bring the Daleks yeah. out of the, you know, from under you know, wherever they were buried. Uh, I yeah. think I, that was that was good. Uh, that was really good. Um, no, I just thought it was it was it was well sort of well paced. I liked the sort of the resolution was quite good to this yeah. as well. I thought actually um, just sort of bringing it out into what was the name of the oh Damien Pearson was the, it was the it was the artist wasn't he who sort of yeah. was taken over by the Warp Core and again it, it was he, that wasn't really played over the top either. Really, no, once I mean, once it sort of got a, got a human host, it was. Uh, I thought it was it was it was well done. This story had lots of reveals in it as it went along, didn't it? Which was actually yeah. probably kept you interested in it. Mm. But also, but didn't they weren't just when they arrived, they arrived and you thought, oh, so that's what that was, rather than they just suddenly came out of nowhere. The fact that you know what was he doing? Where had the people gone? His art was obviously something to do with the fact that the people there was no that everyone else seemed to have disappeared 
but you wasn't sure what that was. Yeah. You had Guffrey, who was a who was a good character in this, and the whole thing about the the lighter. Yeah. And what what was his role going to be in it? And you know, you suddenly get the the, the actual the the payoff on that, and it wrapped everything up. All the little clues it gave you, it wrapped up as well with these reveals. Without yeah, without them coming out of the out of nowhere, and you thinking, well, I don't understand how that happened, you know. It sort of all seemed to be very logical at the end. Yeah, there were no loose ends on this one. Was there? It wasn't leading no. into anything else at all. Uh, no. I, I, you know, I think the only thing you could say, yeah, it, it was referencing past stories, which might have left you a little bit confused. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't dwell on it at all. No. Does it? it? It just sort of okay. Just a quick reference, and and that's it. Done. And then it moves on to moves on to the plot again. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it was great, and yeah, I like I like the character of Guthrie. The the fact he just been I don't know, just sort of waiting there all that time. He knew he was never going to leave. Was was that that planet at Duchamp three three one or something, wasn't it? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he was and, just and, waiting there for his revenge, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, on, the, on a whole planet, effectively. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Which I really liked. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was. It didn't really sort of come out of nowhere because it was all. It was all alluded to, really, because he knew about you yeah. know the whole Dalek thing, which Bev Tarrant said was, oh, okay, he's talking rubbish, and, and you know, and but I also like the fact that she was a thief as well, so it all tied into the whole art thing. Yeah, actually, talking about the art thing, the the, the Doctor's Gallery on, on on the on the TARDIS with the Mona Lisa. It's all like, yeah, well, now the the fakes in the in the Louvre. He, he's basically saying he's got the original, and again, it goes back to um, City of Death. Yeah, which it's which not, again, this, yeah, I like this, that. This is the original. It's not one with this is a fake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought it was great. I like I like that. Yeah. You know, it's um, again, if you know, you know. If you don't, it didn't got, didn't have didn't any. Matter. Didn't, it didn't spoil the story that you didn't understand that. No, exactly, exactly. And, and it, do you know what? It was good to see some stuff. Oh, here's some stuff I should say with the Seventh Doctor and Ace on the TARDIS for a change, because yeah. on the TV they didn't get a lot of sort of TARDIS scenes, did they? It's usually them stepping out the TARDIS all the time. So I, I, yeah, I enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. I thought it, it was a, it was a good story. Wasn't what I was expecting, to be honest. So to be honest, I don't know what I was expecting with this one. Um, all I knew it, it, it featured the return of the Master, uh, but I just felt that that was downplayed and I don't mean that in a bad way it was a, it was it yeah. was very well done I thought because you know the master I mean I even, even like the fact that they actually tried to hide the fact as, as to how the um, security person died but you know you should have a look at the the body right and, and I'd actually was, wasn't even thinking master at that time in my head at that time that obviously of course he'd decompressed him yeah but yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. But they didn't even like allude. They just told you that it was something odd, but without actually actually saying what it was. Was yeah. yeah. It was only like the phrase later on about him being in the safe. You suddenly thought, "All oh, right, okay, all right, yeah. okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah." It's um, that kind of. I mean, if you I mean, if you got into this without any sort of like prior knowledge that the master was in this, yeah, that would have kept you guessing. Yeah. And it would have been wow! It's the master, yeah. You know, once that once I said about yeah, he's in the safe, you know, and that yeah, it would have 
No, I, I like the way they did this. I really like the way they did this. I think it's um, it just it just amazed me actually. Mike Tucker, who's known to me more as a special effects guy for the uh, you know for Doctor Who, doing lots of models yeah. and, and stuff. So, um, I think it's the first big finish of his I've listened to, and I was very surprised. Actually, I thought it was I thought it was a great great story. Right. It is something that Big Finish have done, isn't it? They've actually got Doctor Who people, not necessarily known for for known for other things in Doctor Who, mm. to actually write stories. Yeah, and to get the you know to try and keep the the essence of it. Well, it, that can go going. one of that can go one of two ways, really, can't it? It can either be sort of like yeah, they understand what Doctor Who's about and write a very good story, or it's it's the type of sort of person yeah I know Doctor and, and goes off into getting the Doctor doing ridiculous things yeah which you think no the Doctor or, 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 yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's out of character too, yeah becomes too referencing itself yeah precisely they get too bogged down in continuity and and, and things like yeah. that so which I know certain people love I don't mind it now and again um, <laughs> but there's some there's some people they delve it's a real deep dive into Doctor Who lore and I thought, oh God, it's, it's almost impenetrable even to yeah. long-term fans like us. So, yeah. to, to get... like the... it with this where you've got the little just nods to stuff and that's it. So... Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it's, it's a fine line to tread sometimes but I think, for me, it's definitely on the right side of that line. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. The yeah. only thing in this story that I sort of felt was a bit off Hmm was the fact that effectively the Doctor sent everybody to their deaths on the board the ship from the planet in thinking he was saving them. And it doesn't really get referenced by him. No. The only reference to it is the fact that Ace and Beth Tarrant trip over the body of one of the people that have come up. Yeah, that... Hmm. Yeah, that was a bit... A bit weird. It's always as if that was just sort of forgotten about. Yeah, when the story was written. once it once it got once once you got past that bit, I mean, which obviously must have happened to everybody else because there was nobody else alive on the the ship. Mm. Um, I mean, and, and I, mean, I know you say I know it can be said that basically they was going to die anyway because if they'd stayed on the planet, they'd have been they'd have died in died, the fireball. Died in the fireball. Yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily the oh he's you know. They would have been safe had he not done it, but it was just the fact there was not really much of a angst in the fact that he'd done it. That's which is quite unusual for the Seventh Doctor because he's usually quite introspective, yes. isn't he? Yes, I mean even even after even if you then said right, okay, it's, it's all very fast paced than that. If at the conclusion of the story there'd have been some mention of how mm. he'd you know he should have in the in the terms of. Um, the fifth Doctor in Warriors of the Deep. There should have been another way, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I think yeah, it did need that that sort of kind of moment at the end, rather than the all oh, Bev's gone off to nick a painting, Doctor. A little bit of comedy yeah. at the end, really. Yeah. Which uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't spoil it. But as you say, I, I do agree. Yeah, it is a, it is out of character. Yeah, I mean, it's there, yeah. there, there's a hell of a lot of death in this, really. When you think <laughs> you actually sit there and think about it, that all the original passengers on the ship. And then everybody on the planet. Yeah. Just another typical Doctor Who story. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh God! No, I, no, I, I, I think it's great. And, I, and if you haven't heard this uh, or listened to this particular story, um, people listening out there, definitely go listen to this one because it's really yeah. good. It's really good. Even though what we've discussed, really, I don't think would spoil it for you in any any. Shape no, or I think form. I think I think you it's probably enjoyable. would work out most of the yeah the bits. It doesn't take a rocket goes. scientist to do that, does it? No. So. No, but it would just be yeah. It, it would be better if you'd listen if you'd listened to it if you had listened to it first. Yes, it would have done. It would have done. Yeah. But, uh, there we but are. I, just don't, I don't think I don't think we could have even touched this story without spoilers. So no, I think it's damn near impossible. Actually, um, well, it's the same with anything we we discuss. It, yeah. it's, it's damn near yeah. impossible. Um, I know people yeah. don't like spoilers in their reviews. It's not we we don't do reviews as such. We just chat about a story. That's it. We yeah. just we just talk about it. It's what not, we liked about. Yeah. it. it's difficult to say that. Yeah. <laughs> We're just not good enough to be able to do non-spoiler reviews. No, we're not. No, uh, you know, I know we're doing this for over what, tw- what, twelve years now? Is it eleven, twelve yeah. years? And uh, we've not got any better at it. This is what we do. No. That's it. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what we do. But uh, anyway, um, anything else to I mean, say? Yeah, Paul? I say the, the only good thing is we can go and listen to the genocide machine again. <laughs> <laughs> Without knowing, without spoiling it for ourselves, if we have actually done it. So. Oh no! <laughs> well, the funny thing is that the, the story that precedes this is Loop, uh, Loop Guru, which we have done on this podcast. Yes, the and, and, and and we've done the one that follows it, Blood Tide. Yes, we have, haven't we? Yes. So, oh, we're getting a bit of a little bit of a roll here going, Paul. Blimey! Uh, I can't. I can, we can't. I can remember back a year. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we are now. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. Oh well. Have, have we still got a queen? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to get back in my wicker bath chair. <laughs> get, get get nurse to put a rug over me knees as I, as I sit on the grounds of the of the nursing home, <laughs> watching the birds fly by. Hmm. Oh, well, it's preferable to getting back into your wicker man, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, it's actually. Oh dear, oh dear. Right, okay. Are we done, Paul? Yes, I think so. Oh, we do. Before our memories give out completely, completely. at this point. Um, so we don't know what we're doing next. It'll be uh, in between sort of my little who's he at the movies and TV stuff. We'll we'll, um, we'll have a... I think next one should be a big finish. Not big finish. Uh, uh, target novelisation. It should yeah, be, target, yes. Yeah, or, or, or TV, a target to TV comparison episode. Yeah. So not too short we're going to do yet. As usual, we're, we're all prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Give it five minutes, I forgot we've been doing this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 next week we're going to look at dust breeding. Breeding. <laughs> uh, so we'll think of something, we'll announce it on, on the usual channel, you know, the usual media channels, so about yeah. what we're going to do. So, uh, so that's it then, Paul. So, uh, well, until next time, everybody, it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. You can download this podcast from iTunes, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and through your podcatcher of choice. If you would care to leave us some feedback on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. You can also find us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast, on the Who's He Podcast Facebook group, and through our website, who's hyphen he hyphen podcast.co.uk.